You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Gina. Recorded Gina. live. <laughs> Hi, Hi, Gina. Guys. Hey. <laughs> we love your intro. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> um, how are you guys? Hello. Good. Is it just Erica, Shantae? Yeah. So far. We had a hard time getting on, though, so they might be trying to get on. Yeah, that's... Oy, oy, oy. Sorry about that. Yeah, and a couple. It had took me a couple tries. <clears throat> um, let's see. Let me just message a couple people. See where everyone is. <laughs> so Shante, you did it. I'm proud of you, girl. Yeah, Shante, hey, how you doing? I'm good. <laughs> I was like, I'm life still in the world. Trying to, right. Still trying to figure out a sleep schedule. That's about it. Yeah. You but, figure it out. Let me know. I've never had one. <laughs> <laughs> How is everything going? Everything's going good. Um, still trying to <laughs> I like figure the out this, one. <laughs> this breastfeeding thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she had like the perfect latch while we were at the hospital mm. and it took forever for my milk to come in so I did eventually go ahead and start supplementing with her and mm-hmm. uh, we started with a bottle and now she won't latch unless it's like because she wants the plastic feel mm. so I'm just trying to figure that part out like how I can go without using a nipple shield. Mm-hmm. About it. That's a tough one. That happened with my first one. But I didn't have any help, so I just I just stayed with the, the nipple shield for, like, months. So. <gasps> oh, my gosh, no. I still want to yeah. get rid of it because I'm, like, if we're out in public, yeah. you know, I don't want to be trying to nurse and try and get this nipple shield together. No kidding, yeah. You can do it. I, the One of the midwives here, the same thing happened to her. And so she's mm-hmm. just like, her and her, I think her baby's like four weeks old. They're just fighting right now. She's just like, no, I'm not going to feed you. This is how you're going to do it. And, and, and she'll fuss, but she'll, she's good nursing. So Really? Know, Gina, yeah. Gina might have more uh, advice for you. But, yeah, she, she just, <laughs> I don't know, it's like a nursing strike kind of thing. So. Yeah, because my baby's four weeks old. So, I mean. Yeah. I mean, she eats it, just she doesn't want, at least this midwife baby, like, it, she just won't stay the whole time. She'll keep unlatching, but, and she'll just kind of let her cry and be like, okay, this is what we're doing, and then she'll pop back on there, so. Yeah, that's what she does. Like, she'll yeah. suck, and then she'll just come off, and then yeah. she'll fuss, and it's like, well, look. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you can either stay on. Right. Huh. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to wean off of those things. Yeah. Is it every, like, every feed, Shantae, that she's going on to that? Well, I've been, like, so tired lately that I've just been pumping and putting mm-hmm. it in a bottle and handing mm-hmm. it to my husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, I mean, because I do want her to, like, still take some bottles, but I would prefer for her to nurse more than yeah. using the bottle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a hard transition, but it's totally possible. And it's a matter of, like, every day that goes by, you just put her to the breast one more time than you did the day before. Okay. So, yeah, I feel like I've seen a lot of clients do that process. And it's more like you just kind of take one bottle feed away every single day. So it's not like cold turkey. 
can do that. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can do it. Um, how old is she? Um, four weeks. She'll be five weeks wow. on Sunday. Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh, you're a whole month old. <laughs> mm-hmm. Crazy. That is crazy. It is totally possible to get to the other side, though. And I can talk to you more, Champagne, on another call about details and stuff. Yes, that's yeah. great. Is anyone else, did anyone else join the call? Where is everybody? I don't know. Um, did I'm they gonna just not get the message yesterday? I know, you had mm. it on there. Yeah. It's so funny. <clears throat> like two trainings after you guys were ten, and then the second one was like thirteen people. And so I've like been day. having very large calls, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then this one is just so refreshing for me. <laughs> All right, let's see. So I would love to just start to honor you the time for you guys. Um, and I think you guys, you two have been really the most active um, in birth. <laughs> You're trying. Yeah. Erica, you've been busy. <laughs> you have been busy. I've um, been busy. I've got another lady due tomorrow. So I'm just any day now, I'm like, come awesome. on, so we can get this done. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I know. Um, but I, so this call is navigating induction. And I think that I really want to approach it in a way that we have a conversation and you guys share stories. Um, but I also want to go over, like, protocol and answer any of those questions that you guys have about now that you're working with clients and you're seeing what people are asking of you and their reactions mm-hmm. to your protocol, kind of how you to fuss that out and see and approach it in a way that feels good for you and your practice. Um, so... That's kind of how this call is going to go, and we'll see if the other ladies pop on, but let's just, um, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but have you guys, either one of you, been to an induction or more? No, I didn't have an induction. I had a I had a lady whose water broke and then nothing happened, and so I mm-hmm. guess so then they started everything after that. That okay. was long, that 26 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was the hard one for you, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the first one. Okay. Um, should I count Shantae you? Um, one, she had a Foley bulb. Okay. So she was like a, two, two weeks past due. Okay. Hi guys. Um, all right. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hey, this is Lizzie. I'm so sorry <laughs> for being late. I'm finishing up dinner. It sounds like Lizzie. Hi, Lizzie. Hey, Lizzie. Hey. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How about y'all? What are you guys up to? <laughs> I'm we're good. just diving into the call right now. Okay. <clears throat> so we're talking about navigating induction. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, Lizzie, have you been to an induction yet? Not yet. I have okay. my C-section I'm on call for, but awesome. I have not. Okay. okay. All right, cool. So we're, I was telling the girls that we're going to kind of um, story tell and also talk about protocol and answer any questions that you guys might have about induction. So... Um, I think I just really want to open up the stories first and that will naturally roll in just, you know, questions and protocol and how to go about things. So, um, Erica, why don't you share your story? Oh, mine was long. It was rough. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. She was a, a first-time mom. Um, she was from India, her and her husband, and all their family was over in India, and they kept calling, like, over and over. It was crazy. Um, but she basically, her water broke and she was terrified. She didn't take any birth classes. So 
So normally I wouldn't go so early, but she called me kind of like you could tell that I needed to go. Mm-hmm. So I went. She was in the hospital, so I knew that time already wasn't going to be our friend. Um, mm-hmm. And she, I mean, she was fine. Like when I got there, she wasn't hurting. She looked great. She had done her hair. <laughs> Um, they let her go for it. So we started, I made her walk around, um, and we, we got some contractions started a little bit. Um, her doctor came, um, and we got her on a on a pump trying to just, you know, kind of naturally get things going. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it started working, so she was doing good. And then her father came into the room, so he had come down from India, and then everything stopped for like, I, don't, I think like two, three hours. So then they um, ended up, what did they give her? Now, she had spina bifida, so they wouldn't give oh, her wow. an epidural. So she okay. had, everything had to go through an IV. So they put something, some kind of gel first. Like a, There was like a gel that didn't work that they put on her cervix. Then they put a tablet that I guess dissolved. Mm. Um, and then that got things going. And they put her on um, Pitocin. And so that after mm-hmm. a while, then I got the dad out of the room. I made him leave um, after, you know, and put, got him busy. And then everything kind of started from there, and and it was it just was this long wait to get her to to ten centimeters. She was in a lot of pain. They gave her um, something in her IV, a medicine in her IV, which made me nervous. But I mean, the doctor knew what he was doing. So, um, and yeah, and then she eventually she you know felt pushy, and we got the baby out. But yeah, it was twenty six, twenty seven hours. It was really long. Yeah. It was hard to watch because I, you know, I'm more of a natural kind of girl, so I hadn't seen all of that before. So it was it was interesting to watch, but she was really tired. With the like, just in the birth in general, or just the stretch of the induction? Uh, I think all of it. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think she was. She really wanted a, a, a C-section. Like her whole family had been born by C-sections. Like all of her brothers and sisters, and mm. but they wouldn't. They wouldn't do it because they would have to knock her completely out, general anesthesia, if she had to have a C-section. Mm-hmm. So she never thought she would make it that far, and so she was kind of getting frustrated. And her doctor, though, was real mm-hmm. natural, which surprised me that she would pick someone so natural if she wanted a C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we just kept moving her in different positions, and but yeah, it was the whole dilating that just took forever. And it, yeah, it just, and I think a lot of hers was stress. I think she was just really scared, and so her body just kind of shut down. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. twenty six hours isn't that long. I mean, I know yeah, it feels just like you're pregnant. <laughs> so it's for me. I'm like, oh my god, I just want to go home. <laughs> I know. Yeah. that's really that's really hard, and I think that's something worth checking in with yourself about. I think mm-hmm. you and I had kind of talked about this briefly on the call, but yeah. uh, like a mentor call is like, that's a pretty average amount of time. And yeah. anything around that time I consider pretty normal. Anything over that hello. is like, yeah. hello? I think, sorry, Nora hid my phone and I was looking for it everywhere for like 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, <Excuse> it. <laughs> no worries, welcome. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I think next time Gina, I would just probably not go so early. I just yeah. went so early because yeah. she was so scared. But yeah. I think next time I would prep her better and, and have her take a class, although I guess I couldn't force mm-hmm. her. But but I think that's what it was. I mean, nothing happened for hours, so yeah, that wasn't really and yes. needed. And I love that you, like, that's exactly what I would recommend. Not going so early, but if someone really is that nervous and having anxiety, you have to be there early. Yeah, so that's totally. when I would definitely call my backup and just say, like, look, I might need support, especially if I was pregnant. And, yeah. you know, this is why I kind of tell people in prenatal visits, like, and they, that question comes up a lot, actually, in meet and greets. Like, will you really be there the whole time if it takes 30 hours? And I say, generally, yes, but there are those times where I have to call and back up for extra support. It's rare, but depending on my, you know, what my week has looked like in terms of birth. And, you know, I tell people that I had to do that more right after I had my daughter, but I always have a backup on call in the event. And I frame it in the way that it's so you have a refreshed, connected doula. If I find myself getting tired, I don't feel like I'm serving my clients the best way that they, like I can and that they deserve. So that's how I kind of frame it. Like always, there's somebody always ready to come to replace me if something happens. Um, inductions are long; they're a lot longer. Yeah, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about the protocol of it because there are different ways to go about it, and I just think it depends on how the birth is, the client is, and 
what's going on for you. So um, there's a lot of patience and a lot of trust. <laughs> I would really, there's just a lot of sitting back and trusting that the body will still be able to do this and catch on to the medicine that's being put into their body. It's a big balance of science and nature. You know, it's like birth is normal. Birth happens. It's just the body takes over and it just kind of chugs along. Unfortunately, some people, you know, when an induction happens and that medicine is introduced into the body, they automatically shut that part of their brain down and they just think that, like, the medicine is doing this to my body. And while that is true, there's also, I've seen inductions work in the way that, like, as soon as, like, inductions are, like, any form of medicine is given to them, whether it's the Foley bulb or Cervidil or Pitocin, sometimes their body just catches up and they, have, they can shut, it, shut all that stuff off and they're good to go. So it's a fine balance between the two and making sure that everyone really stays connected to their body and just kind of trusting that it, the event will just kind of unfold in the way it needs to. Uh, Shante, I would love to hear your story too. So my labor, she, it was like 48 hours. <laughs> wow. So she went in on a Friday evening, mm-hmm. got the Foley bulb. Um, that was in like all night. I came home because I was six months pregnant at this time. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And she was like really understanding. And so her and her husband both <coughs> sent me home. Bless you. <coughs> Bless you. <laughs> so after they took the Foley bulb out the following morning, like she had dilated like maybe one centimeter, it wasn't a lot. Mm. And so they took that out and she tried to do a little bit of laboring on her own. That didn't help. Um, they started her on Pitocin. That was like all that day. Um, the evening came. They sent me back home. Um, they turned her Pitocin off because mm-hmm. she wasn't really progressing at all. And they said, you know, they would just let her body relax that night and then try again in the morning. So then we're on Sunday morning. Bless you. Bless you. Mm-hmm. And so Sunday morning, um, they turned the Pitocin back on. She actually started progressing some. Um, she started having more frequent contractions, got an epidural. And then had her baby Sunday evening. So it was like mm-hmm. a long whole weekend ordeal. <laughs> yeah, that is a long one. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how did you And that feel? was my first one. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a doozy. That is a doozy. How did you feel the whole time that was really happening? Did you feel pretty connected and solid, or were you... Yes, I was fine. Um, I guess what kind of surprised me more was that she was, like, more concerned about me mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was pregnant. Um, but her husband and her, they were, like, really understanding. They were like, no, we want you to go home and rest and just come back in the morning, and if anything happens, you know, we'll call you. Um mm-hmm. But, of course, like, both nights I couldn't really sleep because I'm like, okay, if they call me, I need to be up. I think that made me a little bit more tired, like, once I got up in the morning. But, you know, once I was there, I was fine. Mm-hmm. Good. So let's go ahead and talk about protocol then. There's different ways to go about it. And um, Lizzie and Jasmine, do you guys have any experience with induction or anything you want to add story-wise before we move on to the protocol? No, I haven't had any um, interaction with inductions yet, so mm-hmm. this is all great information for the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only experience I've had was uh, was just my own, and um... mm. okay. Yeah, I mean, so as as doulas, I think it's really like if we're ever going to talk about self care, it's with induction. I think it's really important that you take care of yourselves. They they tend to be a little bit longer, like I said. And 
I think it's really important that you guys really try and fill your cup as much as you can and just make sure you have the buffers that are necessary. Um, language is key, and making sure that they know about everything and how you practice ahead of time is really helpful. So the reason I kind of set this call later on in the series is because my hope is that one or two or a few of you have been to induction, so we can kind of play off the story. So I think that um, <clears throat> there's there's just there's a few ways to go about it, and you know some people join at the very beginning of it, making sure that mom is really supported in there, and that you just kind of your 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 presence in the room from the start, um, just so the doctors and the nurses know that you're going to be a part of this process as much as they are, and it's really setting a standard. Um, other people don't join until later. So I've always practiced in that way, where I usually treat it like any other labor, where it's act, like active labor. And when they need an extra pair of hands is when I go. Um, MA of DTI does it differently, where she's starting to go and support people from the beginning. They Like as soon as the like cervidil or cervical ripener is given to her, uh, given to her client is when she goes to support them. Um, and she knows she's in it for the long haul. She's just, she feels like that's how she's seen more successful inductions, which to her means happy client and also a vaginal birth, like just making, because she was feeling like all of her inductions led to cesareans. So it's something to think about. I've never really practiced in that way. I have visited people to like calm their nerves and anxiety. Um, Erica, when you kind of joined that client, did you ever feel like there was a window for you to leave or were you just in it for the long haul? Yeah, I think there was a time for me to leave. Um, but I was like an hour away from home, so it was a long drive. Mm-hmm. But she did let me leave at, um, gosh, I think it was like 10 o'clock and then I got called back at like 1 in the morning, so mm-hmm. <laughs> like 10 at night. Mm-hmm. Then. So I, had, I mean, I had a couple of hours to go home, which was good. Okay. Yeah, if she'd been closer, I definitely would have gone home sooner. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there are always, like, most of the time you see that window, especially with inductions, it tends to be pretty slow in the beginning. I also feel like, as a doula, I don't want to just sit there and watch a laboring mom, especially one who's really trying to get into the throes of labor. So, you know, a cervical ripener, there's not much action going on. Um I think what Emma's been doing is like she joins people in the beginning for a few hours and then goes home and then comes back. So it's pretty brilliant. Um, and she really feels like it's making a bigger difference. I think that you just, you really need to frame that whole scenario to your client ahead of time. In the event of an induction, this is how I usually practice. And then you kind of paint them a picture. I think that's really important. Um, and, you know, I think it's also important just to kind of have a conversation about inductions during the prenatal visit. Even if someone's like, nope, that's not going to happen. I'm, this is the kind of birth I'm going to have. There are all forms of induction. You know, there's just the typical one with the cervical ripener and pitocin that we experience. There's one, you know, Shantae, what you were kind of saying, is fully bulb. You know, that's something different. It's less invasive, kind of, <laughs> medically invasive. Um so I really, I just, I think it depends on how it goes down, but having them entertain the idea that they might have to go down that road is better for everybody. So any questions so far? So I have a random question, Gina. So I have somebody, she's due in December, so a long way away, but she's going for a VBAC. Mm-hmm. And so what I, do you think, she's nervous because she's had a miscarriage too, so this is like her rainbow mm. baby. Would you talk to her about inductions? Like I've already met with her once, but she's real mm-hmm. active. Like she talked to me quite a bit already. So should I prepare her for that or would that kind of throw her out of her zone? I mean, I think it's more about how she feels about certain scenarios. For her, there, yes, there is, I think there's going to be a lot of deep conversations that is kind of needed um, for her birth because how I've seen some VBAC mamas, if they have to go down the road of induction, they automatically feel like they're being thrown into that medical world again and that their birth Mm -hmm. is being taken away from them. 
And those emotions can really come up for her in labor. So I'm one, you know, like just because she's getting induced doesn't mean that she's going to lose her chances to have a vaginal birth. Um, but I'm curious to see how she would feel about that and see if there's any ties there. Maybe there aren't any ties in her mind, but mm-hmm. I would definitely ask her. I mean, if she's doing December, she's pretty early still, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. She's you nine have weeks right now. Oh, my goodness. You have some time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't worry about that right now. I would not do that until the end. I really feel like um, 30 weeks is like a game changer for people. Okay. 30 to 32 weeks is when their mind, their body, their spirit kind of shifts and they start thinking of the big stuff. Um, yeah, I just had a client and she was like, our first prenatal was like, you know, rainbows and unicorns. It was like, oh, this is what I want. This is great. Blah, blah, blah. And she was so positive and happy. <laughs> and then the second prenatal visit, she was like, okay, shit's going down. This is happening. Like she was really all of a sudden freaking out. And I, I think it's like she made, she made that transition from like one stage of our pregnancy to the other. And she wasn't in that place before. She was still in like the good days, you know, what they call the second trimester. But I feel right. like around 30, 32, sometimes 34 weeks is when their mind starts to shift. And that's a really good time to do prenatal visits and talk about the big stuff. Okay. Um, and it's more about like, you know, it, it can be as simple as like, tell me about your last birth. And maybe there was some induction there. And you're like, how does induction make you feel? What if you had to, you know, be induced again and just kind of going down that road, just asking those questions that they have to answer. How old is your baby going to be with that birth? Um, So July, so like six months. Okay, that's cool. This should be good, yeah. And I already told her I'll be pumping and stuff every three hours or so, get ready, and she's okay with it. (laughs) That's awesome, yeah. Well, that's going to be great if you have the potential to see it you back. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. What other questions, guys? I have a question. Mm-hmm. What if the, her doctor kind of scared her into being induced and she really, really, really doesn't want to? Mm-hmm. Um how do I talk to her about it? Because it's her choice, you know, even if her doctor says to do it um, and she goes ahead and, and does it, even though she really doesn't want to, it's all of her choice. How do I comfort her, even though she feels like she's making a bad decision, but she doesn't want to go against her doctor? Hmm. That is a tough one. Has anyone else had that experience recently? All right. Well, I was talking to uh, a mom and she was informing me if that's that's how her her birth went. Mm-hmm. So and and I live in you know, in Houston. It's super medical. A lot of mm-hmm. the doctors um kind of are adrenaline junkies, and this can happen um in certain hospitals with certain doctors. So I just want to know for future reference. Yeah, I mean that typically doesn't come up until after. I would say. I rarely see a client saying, I don't want to do this, and I'm being completely forced into it, and then they do it anyway. If that emotion is coming up in the meantime, like during labor or right before, they're voicing Mm -hmm. that. And if someone really feels strongly against it, they're usually like, what do I do? And they're asking me that question. And it's like we talk about late transfers to other practices. We talk about the option of saying no that they don't have to say yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually, so I'm guessing this is a mom who had a birth and then was telling you a story about it later, right? Yeah. 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 Usually that is a feeling and emotion that comes up afterwards. Like in my mind, I didn't want to do it, but it's my doctor. So I said yes. And then she was unhappy with her birth. So that kind of transformed into a story of like, I didn't want to do it, but I said yes anyway because of the doctor. So it's just, you know, storytelling mm-hmm. kind of, um, she's really telling by emotion and not really like um, kind of what went down. It was more how she was feeling, which is really sad. I mean, mm-hmm. I always, um, unfortunately, this happens a lot. 
This is a really, really common thing. So I would, I would say that in my, in my experience with my clients that I've had in this kind of situation, I talk a lot about why did, why, why did you feel like you had to listen to your doctor? And with, based on their answers, usually because I trusted her, you know, like she was there for me the whole time. I trusted her. And then I just say that, like, that's amazing that you trusted her. And I am sorry that she kind of, you know, that she did something that broke that trust. And mm-hmm. it, just, it, it just validates the story for them. And it also shows them that it's really okay to be upset about somebody breaking that trust. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be upset about it. Uh, that I mean, have you guys seen or heard about the what they're calling Kelly's story, the episiotomy that was done without oh, consent? Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. that's a rough one. <laughs> Holy moly! Yeah, have you guys watched the video? Oh, it was so hard <laughs> to watch. Yeah, it's I really hard. Couldn't finish it. It made me yeah. scared about being a doula for like a little bit. Honestly, I was like, oh, what man, a, I want to see. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, what was like? Well, Jazz, I'm gonna. T- I'm totally asking you about that in a minute. But what was the thing that you guys were thinking the whole time you're watching? You're watching that video. Something well, I was really. <laughs> I was really upset that no one was supporting her. Yeah. Her so mom kept telling her. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. mom. The mom Where and was her doula is my, all that I was saying in my head. Where <laughs> is the doula? Absolutely. It's really like there was no one on her side. There was no one saying to her, I hear you're really I hear you're not wanting this. I hear you're scared. I hear you asking questions about this. Really just speaking up for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jasmine, what about it made you scared to be a doula? Um, like, it just kind of, like, made me think about those situations. It's kind of like, you know, what do you do as a doula, you know? Because the doctor is, like, you know, insisting on these things, and you've got mm-hmm. the family pulling on one side, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's obviously somebody recording, so, like, you know, obviously it doesn't matter, like, if somebody's watching all of this. It's like, I don't know, it <clears throat> makes me, like, feel like, oh, man, what if I was in that situation? I don't really know what I would do. Mm-hmm. I would want to say something, you know, like, but I don't know, it's, you know, the doctor is, like, trying to do that. So it's kind of like, you know, where do you draw the line? I don't really know. What would you do if you were there? I would probably say something, like, without realizing before I would probably... (laughs) Before, like, I would even think. I'd probably, like, like, something would just come out of my mouth. Like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. this. Like, I don't know. I'd just be freaking out. Kind of internally, yeah. That I mean, is a hard it's kind thing. of watching like something like kind of like a car crash happening in front of you, you know. Like I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of like a do something situation. I guess but it's kind of like at the same time, it's like you can't really tell a doctor what to do. No, but you can you can check in with the mom. Yeah, that's what we can. That's what we can do, and. In that situation, this is when we really go back to SDM, slow doula, and we really start to connect with ourselves and our mind and our heart. And, you know, while we're watching that, while I was watching that video, I, I like, felt myself going down that same road of, like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, like, just getting really squirrely inside, really tense, really unhappy. And I practiced. I was like, I have to, I have to like slow do a this right now and like really envision that. If I, what would I do if I was there? And I think the first step is to tuck into your mind, center, connect with yourself, connect to the room, and then discern. Just really take a look at the room and see what's going on. And I think if you guys do that, I really truly believe if you guys do that, if you step back from like from the whole muck of what's happening and connect with yourself, you're then able to foster the situation more. Um, and always look at the mom. I think I said that on like the last call or maybe the one before, but I always look at my client. I always turn to my client to see what's going on. That's what's so upsetting about that video. She's clearly saying those things and no one is there to say, yeah, 
you have a question. <laughs> There's no one there to speak up for her. And I think that's really the case in inductions too. Um, Lizzie, going back to what you were saying, what if, you know, a doctor just bullies a mom into doing something because they have that powerful position during a labor? And Mm -hmm. I think looking at your client and always asking those questions that they have to answer is really helpful. And just, like, seeing how she's feeling and mirroring that. You know, like, I see that you're crying. How are you feeling right now? And then Mm -hmm. everyone will stop in the room. There was just no one to do that for that poor mama at all, which is the saddest thing. And that mom, oy, oy, oy. <laughs> what else, guys? What other questions? Um, well, I'm ha- I'm having a hard time. <laughs> um, yeah? Yeah, like I'm having a hard time finding clients and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like just getting out there for some reason. It's just like not really mm-hmm. working for me. I don't know. I feel like it's like, I don't know, really... Like, I don't know, like, uh, I, I feel like I don't hang around enough people that are, like, I don't know, like that, and it's weird. I don't really know how to get myself out there and stuff. Bad. You're <laughs> <laughs> very stuck right now. That's the thing, you know. Yeah. You know, Jasmine, um, I had to I had to do a lot of legwork. Like I had to go to birth centers, I had to go like to OBGYNs and mm-hmm. I went to like um gosh, when they would have these events that I didn't even want to go to, I would go and just meet people and just kinda like it's a lot I, well what I'm finding in, in Austin, it's a lot of networking. It's just people knowing who you are and mm-hmm. referring to you. So uh, yeah. like I'm on Doula Match and I, I've gotten one birth from that. So you might look at that doulamatch.net, but most of it is just getting out there. Like I I spoke at a hypnobirthing class, and I just you know right. I kind of like tried to get all in there. Yeah, it's, yeah. I guess yeah. It's kind of hard, I guess, and I still don't have a car. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that is frustrating. Have you? Do you have on your calendar all of the meetings, like the doula meetings and functions that happen monthly? Because there's about three or four meetings that meet regularly. I was planning on going to the doula, um, the little doula matching thing that's going on on Sunday, on the 17th, the little doula meet. Wait, the DPI one? Yes. I think that's on the 16th. Oh, well, no, there was the one that's, um, from the central sexus. Um, oh yeah, yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, I wanted to go to that, and then I wanted to go to the one that you invited me to, Erica. That's at the end. Oh yeah, on the twenty third. Yeah. 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 So hopefully that'll be the start of something. But yeah. Just, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm like I'm even offering them for free, you know, and it's like still. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. Like, don't feel like offering for free is going to get you jobs. Like, what's going to get you jobs is getting your name out there. Even if you're charging $200, that's what's going to get your name out there and what's going to get you hired. You have to, like, people have to know who you are. You, you know, we, like, right now we live in such a virtual world of, like, Facebook and websites and Instagram where you feel like if you put it out there and say that you're doing that, it's going to get you work, but really it's that, that's what kicks you off into a new space. What you have to do first is what Erica was saying, like physically go to places and meetings and let people hear you speak, let people see your face, let mm-hmm. people get a feel for your personality that, that way. When someone's like, Oh, I can't, I'm not around in August. I need a doula, but all my backups are busy. Do you know of anyone I can say, oh, yeah, I actually just met this new doula. She's great. You know, here's, like, this is her name. Yeah. Friend her on Facebook real quick. And then that's how that starts. But it's Mm -hmm. not going to just happen. Yeah. It never really does. 
I'm sorry, that's a really hard place to be. And I know we're kind of getting to the end of our program, so I'm sure that's feeling really stressful for you. But let's have a mentor call. Let's connect and yeah. really brainstorm one-on-one together and kind of break that down. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I even went to like a cloth diapering class and I met a couple of doulas there. And so then I had a potential to be back up there. But yeah, it's just a lot of getting out there, like Tina said. It just, mm-hmm. And it's still not as, it's not as many births as I wish it would be. You know, I want it to be busier, but it's, you know, it's just going to take time. Yeah, it will. And once you get like three or four under your belt, people start to, you know, pass your name along, which is really nice. I, you know, and I just met this other doula. She's actually running Birth Focus here in Austin. So I don't think actually any of you guys are in that in that uh, group right now. But um, she said her car broke down one night. She just moved to Austin. She was practicing out in L.A. Just moved to Austin. Her car broke down, and the people who ended up helping her, his wife was like five weeks pregnant, and they ended up hiring her to be their doula. Because she was like, hi, Madula, your wife's pregnant. And I was just like, I love that story. That had no social media hullabaloo attached to it, no meetings. There was literally like life circumstances that brought them together. And that rarely, I rarely hear about that. But And the only reason it happened was because he said like, oh, my wife's pregnant. And she was like, I'm a doula. And if she wouldn't have said that, she wouldn't have gotten that job. So it's like, doesn't kind of like you were saying before, like you're hanging out with some of the people who might <laughs> get you work and stuff. That's great. Just keep telling people what you do and keep being very, um, you know, open about it. That way people can keep passing your name along. Yeah. Lizzie, how are you doing? Did we lose Lizzie? I'm sorry, what? I said, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I, uh, I am on call for my first birth. Um, well, I'm sort of on call. She informed me a couple days ago that she had a false alarm. I told her I still need to call me for those. So that way I can be sure to get there because she's <laughs> an hour away at best. And um, so I'm on call with her. So I still have two more births that I need. I have one family that is considering me, but I know them, um, mm. and they're they're nervous about me being there because they've known me since I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and I totally understand where they're coming from. I'm still looking around, um, but I completely agree. The best way that I have gotten any sort of clients, both of my postpartum clients were um, from a referral. And mm. so was this, my, my, the birth I have was a, a word of mouth referral. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, getting but... yourself out there, you know, going to birthing classes or getting to know birthing instructors, I think is mm-hmm. um, a really the best way um, because unless your birthing instructors are doulas, they want the family that they're instructing to have a doula. And mm-hmm. so to be more acquainted with, like, the photographers, the, the birth workers that are not doulas, not that not being friends with them is not a big deal. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But um, they're more willing to give clients to you because it's not taking away from them unless they're super busy doulas. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I feel how Jasmine is feeling, just that, that pressure to get all the births down that I need and um, yet feeling the nervousness and insecurity of getting myself out there. Um, you know, what if, what if I'm not doing, doing this right or what if mm-hmm. the way I'm presenting myself sounds uh, way crazy and no one's going to hire me. It's one of the things you just got to let go. You just got to pretend. You, know, you just have to just do it. Yeah. And when you guys are met with that, like, anxiety or worry or insecurity of, like, am I doing this right? Is this happening? Am I going to finish this time? Use that as, like, an awakening moment of, like, 
this doesn't feel good to me right now. Like, clearly I'm worrying about this because this doesn't feel good to me. So what can I do about this? And use that as a, as a chance to just kind of reframe everything and make a new list of what you need to do. Because I have that many moments in my work, my life, my especially as a mother. <laughs> I had one today where <laughs> I just am like, this is not feeling okay to me right now. This doesn't feel good. It's not working. And instead of, like, sitting there and being grumpy and upset about what's not working, I, I could turn around and just be like, oh, yay, let's do things that are new. Let's change it up. Let's do things that I know will make me happy. And, you know, it's just like it's, it's an awakening and it's an opportunity to change that for yourself. And I, I think that as doulas, like, our practice is constantly evolving because we are as doulas. Every birth you go to you become more and more connected and you become more and more like a doula. Um, someone from my other group last year in January, she's since graduated and stuff. Um, Tisha is awesome. She's our DTI investor running our group. Um, she said that it was like birth number seven that made her like look up and go, shit, I'm a doula. Like, she was like, that's it. Like, she felt it for the first time. It was like, oh, my God, I'm here. This is, this is it. And it took seven births for her to get there. But she said she changed so much. And it wasn't just, like, changing her feet. She was changing her language. She had, she had stories to tell. She had experience to pull from. And she kind of shifted her practice in a whole new way and got a whole new surplus of clients. So I think use those sticky moments to really kind of bring yourself in more and change what you need to change. And I realized during my the two births that I went to that there is no right way. I had to stop because I get into that analytical mind where I'm like, okay, yeah. is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this what I'm supposed to say? And I was like, no, 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 mm-hmm. I just have to read her and see what she needs. Yeah. And read yourself too. Like yeah. that's exactly what you're doing. You're like, wait, here I am again in this analytical mode. Like you're reading yourself being like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And yeah. you popped out of that. I think that's really, that's really, that is SDM as, as its essence right there. Um, and I tell you guys, it's way more fun if you just ride the wave. Like it really is. And take that pressure off yourself. Like you're supposed to save people and make them like, it's not up to you to give them the birth experience that they want. It really isn't. You're there to witness the story unfolding and you're there to support them and love them through the process. And I really, um, I really feel like that, like that's the essence of an induction, you know, where it's like, it's just, okay, this is not, even if it is what they envision or not what they envisioned, like, let's just see where this takes us. Cause we really have no idea how this is going to go. And it really takes the pressure off you and the client. And you guys just kind of start to experience the birth in a raw, sweet way. What other questions do you guys have? Little babies. <laughs> no one snuck in here on me. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I thought it was Shantae's little. So who's going to be there? Shantae, I know you guys are not in the area. But are you? Are either one of you guys going to the DTI meeting? Are you talking about the one on Saturday at the chiropractor? Yeah. Yes, I definitely want to go to that because I, at the birth center here, they love uh, the Thrive Chiropractic and then the lady who's due tomorrow, she mm-hmm. goes there. So, yeah, I'd like to meet him. She talks about Dr. Corey all the time. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. Um, yeah. Jasmine, I would highly recommend that you go to that. To what? To the DTI meeting on Saturday. Okay. Um, are you, you're on that page? I saw you there. Do you have the information about it? Um, not for the one you're talking about. Sorry, I hear my daughter like screaming my name. Um, mm-hmm. um, 
could you just pass along the information for me, please? You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to tag you. Thank you. That'd be perfect. Yeah. I'm going to tag you in the thing. Perfect. Yeah, and it's it's up north, is that right? It's up six twenty, I think I saw. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at it right now. Yeah. Doctor Corey Elder broke. It's like six twenty and one eighty three. Yeah. Okay. And maybe I can come get you, Jess, and we'll we'll hook up and. And maybe as long as my lady's not in birth, then I should be good to go, so. Yay. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'm not sure if I'm going to get there or not yet. But. <clears throat> yeah, I'm totally bummed I can't come. <laughs> yeah. Have you hooked up with um, Stacy yet, Lucy? Stacy who? She, Demeyer, Demeyer? Oh, Demeyer. Yes, 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 yes. We yeah. met at uh, the Gina workshop. Awesome. Yeah, she's okay. a doll. <laughs> yes, she is. Um, I'm excited for you guys to kind of like establish a connection with each other. Um, mm-hmm. She just took the training and she was awesome. I'm really excited to have more doulas <laughs> in your areas. I know. And she's not only going to be in Houston, but she's going to be up in northern Houston. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. awesome. So I, I was so excited to get to meet her. Shantae, <laughs> mm-hmm. do you have any questions or anything? No, just when are more DTI doulas going to be in my area? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, girl. Um, we actually, we've been having more and more trains in Atlanta, um, and a lot of people are traveling from, like, Alabama and all of those other states in that area. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, I feel like it's it's, it's happening. Um, yeah. My VBAC client wants to be a doula. I was telling her about DTI, and she said that she had seen this, like, um, online. But I, I don't know. I, I told her she might wait till after she has her baby. I told her it's kind of stressful mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So hopefully she'll be coming. Yeah. Yeah, you've been busy, Erica. Yeah. <laughs> you preggies. There's been a lot of preggies in this training. <laughs> <laughs> In the water. You guys are, yeah, you're doing it though. Yeah. Okay, this next one's hypnobirthing in the in the tub, so I'm like, all right, hopefully I won't have to do too much. I can just kind of sit back. Mm-hmm. We'll see though. Yeah. So, any other questions, guys, regarding um, inductions that I can answer? I'm good. Okay. Just, I really encourage you guys to <clears throat> kind of journal and start to think about what your language would be around it and how you would ask those questions. You know, Erica, especially for you when you have that birth coming up in December. Um, mm-hmm. And really just making sure it's talked about beforehand and main, just to see how they feel, but also to tell them what your protocol is. Um, that way there's no surprises along the way. Awesome. Sounds good. Cool. There's no other questions, guys. We can go ahead and end the call for tonight. Oh, I can uh, have one question, and I promise I'll let us go. Um, no, the next one is the next one is the the massive book, right? That I'm trying to get through the optimal mm-hmm. childbirth. How is that going to work? Are we all just going to kind of talk about the book? Or are we going to take sections? Or you know, I used to do sections for that book, and I think. Um, the last few calls that I've done where it's just a general discussion is a little bit better. Okay. Um, we've all read the book, and it's so meaty and dense that it's hard yeah. to kind of talk about that. So I'd rather talk about it on an emotional level. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't go ahead. Okay. I'm not going to divide it. We're just going to have a general okay, discussion. 
I Thank you for asking. For asking. <laughs> There's a yeah. lot in there. I'm, like, I'm not going to remember all of this. But. No, it's it's a lot. It's a little intense. Yeah. Um, it's intense, but I've been really enjoying it. It's just so interesting, the ooh, you know, statistics and all of the, the information. Good. good. Oh, cool. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. Awesome. Well, um, let me know if any questions come up in the meantime, and please reach out to me for mentor calls. And um, I'll be talking to you lady soon. All right. Good. Bye. Awesome. Bye. Have a great night, everyone. Okay. All right. Good night. All right. Bye, guys. Good night. Bye.